Hello and welcome back to episode five of the uh, JRB podcast with me, Ryan Levine, Jeff Jones, and Bowden Temnick. Hello. Jesus. <laughs> and today, um, we'll be discussing YCS Pasadena and then I guess kind of the implications of what is presumably a tier zero format, what kind of that means, and if that's a bad thing necessarily. It is sometimes, but anyways, we'll get into it first with uh, Bowden being the only one that actually went to Wax's Pasadena among us three. Uh, I guess Bowden will start with that. Um, It was pretty, it was a pretty fun experience. I I like the whole, the whole testing process was kind of cool. But I think the one thing that I took away was maybe just playing more of a tournament setting. Um, that was that was probably the big thing, right? I think a lot of people play test without factoring in time and everything else. Um, and yeah, it, it, it like I, I didn't go to time uh, as often, um, but it, it did sort of dictate what some of my side deck choices would have been. Uh, so I, I had like the three cards, assuming that the mirror match would take forever. Um, and it really only took forever in testing because we would sit there and sort of just, you know, try and play out each other's mills and like hands and stuff like that. So it, it just felt like it took longer than it really did. Um, contrary to that, a lot of my games were like two O's or like, you know, the, the only games that tend, tend to go to time are like the two one games or, you know, the, the games where someone messes up and then a, a third game is played uh, when it shouldn't. So like that was a big one. Um, otherwise, like good tournament. All my opponents were quite pleasant. Uh, fun fact, two of the people that I lost to actually topped the event, uh, despite me going 6-3. Uh, I lost to the Sprite player that made top 4, and then I lost to one of the tier players that made top 32, so that was kind of cool. Um, and then I lost round 9 to, uh, to Nesh. Um, I, the games that I lost uh, outside of uh, the Sprite opponent were just games that I was behind uh, quite significantly. Um that was pretty unfortunate. That sort of showed like the glaring issue with some of the uh the the opinions of like deck building in the current format. I think there's still a lot of like room for improvement. And you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good you are, there are a lot of cards in this deck that you don't want to draw um not paired appropriately, which is pretty unfortunate. Um but yeah, no, like pretty happy with, with everything, with all that being said. Uh so yeah, like I I really don't know. I don't know what else to say. If someone wants to direct me, that'd be that'd be great. Sure. So, uh, what were your opponents? So, how many uh, mirrors did, did you play in in Swiss? Because one thing I thought was very interesting is uh, Hani, who won, um, he mm. posted his matchups uh, the other day, and in in Swiss he played one mirror, which is mind blowing to me. Well, in Top Cut he, he played he, only he also, mirrors. But... He, he, no, he he wrote he wrote tier, but I'm not sure if he was differentiating like tier like. You know what I mean? I think he might have instinctually just wrote tier as like uh high versus tier, and then he's sort of just been like mirror, 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 right? Because like what tier deck are you playing against sure. that isn't a Shizu, right? Um Well maybe it I, was I just a tier deck played. that didn't have a Shizu cards, honestly. Because yeah. he said mirror in a different against, in a different round, but uh that's fair. I, I played against a couple of mirror matches, like probably like um out of the nine rounds that I, I did end up playing, I think like four which is, like, pretty reasonable. Early rounds, obviously, you expect some variables, but it was a lot of, like, um, Bestial X deck. Uh, it was, like, a Bestial Buster Bladed deck, which I thought was kind of cool. Oh. Um, it was, like, a, the Branded deck. Um, 
I played against one sprite deck, and yeah, the rest just ended up being mirrors. Like, probably, like, uh, I played against one big-ish deck with, like, anglers in it and stuff like that. It was, like, a Shizu, um, a Shizu tier with angler and, like, some of the sprite stuff, which I thought was kind of neat, too. Like, pile to end build piles sort of deal. But otherwise, yeah, just expected, just mirror matches. Um, yeah, as, as I said, it was just, like, it, it was really easy uh against the other decks like like glaringly obvious how much better your deck was um and my loss against sprite i would like to think was solely my fault because i lost a game one where i made an end board that is like really really good against the mirror it was like baron elf uh dweller Sulik. um and my opponent like plays out his turn i do some stuff that sort of like offsets what happens when my opponent's playing sprite and i've summoned an abyss dweller and uh, then I, I make, like, a technical mistake where I assumed uh, Rukulos was, like, Collider Hot in that, like, it was just, like, being... I, I was able to float it back and then, like, do some stuff with it. And, like, yeah, like, I, I just messed up. It was, like, a Baron tag out in the standby phase and some of the Rukulos and should have summoned any other name. Uh, and sure. I probably would have won that game. Yeah. Because um, I didn't realize it had to be probably Fusion Summon to, to return itself if I sell it uh, or if I even just use Rukulos' effect. So that was kind of unfortunate. Um, and then game three, I just bricked, because uh, that was the guy that let people start uh, post side, which I thought was really interesting. I had to talk to him afterwards. I was like, hey, like, is this publicized just in case I versus other Sprite opponents? Because it did sort of dictate um, how I would maybe approach Sprite if that becomes like the, the new norm. I even I talked to Paulo about it as well. I was like, maybe that could be something that like plays into the levels of the format where like Sprite just lets you start tries to have as many hand traps as possible to stop you and then, uh, you know, just, like, play on that turn. But, uh, but yeah, otherwise, it was, it was incredibly standard. Um, I, I think the approach that you would take for, uh, for, like, a tier deck for this event seemed pretty set in stone. It was, like, you either played uh, a very standard OCG-esque sort of list with, like, um, the small bestial package, like, three of everything, you know, like, so, sort of just, like, what we expected. Um, and then you had, like, the builds that sort of took uh, more inspiration from, like, the later parts of, like, the OCG format, probably, like, more bestials, um, and then just, like, using less of the millers, which seemed to be, like, a more common trend that I, I would like to admit. I saw, like, at least three decks in Top Cut sort of taking that approach. Um, and then, obviously, you had, like, the more ignorant sort of builds that were utilizing stuff like Mystic Mind, uh, the Gravekeeper's Trap, and uh, Exchange of the Spirits, like, either together or just, like, you know, split up, whether it be post side or otherwise. So I thought that was kind of, that was kind of neat. Um, I'm not sure, like, how you actually fix issues like that, where it comes to, like, I, I think if you're playing the mirror match and they, like, GK trap you with exchange of the spirits, like, it's just an uphill battle, right? Like, it's it's probably, like, a little bit more difficult than, uh, than Abyss Dweller in some instances, because Dweller's only two charges and the GK trap is just, uh, it's just there. Right, like you need it's to draw forever, it, basically. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. Just like you need to have like field spell Medora, or like even just like normal summon Medora doesn't even do enough because like you're burning your, well, like not normal summon, but like you're you're burning like a summon and just like clearing your monster to put the exchange of the spirits back into the deck, so you're able to do stuff. And then they just still have all of their stuff, and it's really, really, really rough. Um, but yeah, like uh, you know, as, as we saw from Top Cut, like there's a big conversion for like the players that already accomplished so like that that's always good um but moving forward i'm not entirely sure if this will end up being particularly healthy uh like a healthy format but that, that's just you go in general i think there's still a lot of variance involved 
even without getting into like the whole haha you're milling cards it's like no 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 like one person can just draw uh x hand that is just like invalidating the other opponent's hand by like a wide margin and that, that doesn't seem really really cool there's very little playback right so that, that'll be that'll be something i want to sort of see uh fix whether it be with like a ban list or maybe some like innovation in the format but uh but yeah i think that that covers pasadena for me at least yeah so uh one thing i want to kind of talk about is uh we talk about going forward so obviously we saw a a lot of good players in, in this top cut and we know firsthand that one of the reasons because of that is because people like them and us have been playing with these cards for a, a good amount of time before this tournament right and so we had a lot of good information uh made a lot of good call people made a lot of good calls um and so now that that information is kind of out there and people who are not in those kind of clicks are able to uh play more and things are going to be more solved how do you feel about this next YCS this upcoming weekend which is dortmund right yeah, but like that's that's the problem, right? Like, what do you change once like a lot of the information is out there? Because so, people people call it. So, so now I'm saying, mm. is there a way that people do you think that are going to adapt even further and refine the decks even more, or do you think well, that well, like, now, or do you where? think now that people exactly that's what I'm saying? Yeah. So no, I think where we're at now, I think where we're at now is probably like the the like the extent of it, right? Because I think a lot of like stuff will end up being like maybe cyclical. Like, you might see Mystic Mind, like, if this format drags out longer than it should, which I don't expect it, but that's, a, that's probably another topic of discussion. Um, I yeah, think we'll get to that a little bit. <laughs> you'll, you'll see, like, the very cyclical uh, Mystic Mind, uh, where you have, like, oh, Mystic Mind, GK Trap, whatever, like, oh, okay. Which is what we and saw Dom, people... Dom doing. Dom yeah. relied very much on the uh, Mystic Mind and, and the Gravekeeper's Trap. Yeah, I like I, I don't I don't think that's like bad by any margin. Um but I but I think like you'll you'll see a lot more people aware of uh strategies like that. You might see like everyone play a copy of Heartbeat or everyone play like an out to the mind. Or even just knowing like uh that the field spell plus like a shuffler active like does, you know, out the mystic mind. I, I think some people might have just neglected that. Maybe they weren't prioritizing getting to their field spell as soon as they could. Um yeah, I think there's like a, a lot of weird levels to it. Um Dortmund might still be interesting. I think a, like a lot of people are still pretty far behind because this deck on the surface, even if you just go from like a deckless to deckless perspective, I think the technical play aspect is still rather huge. And it's technical play that I don't think you can really um, just put out publicly because it's, it differs so wildly from game to game. So you really do have to be quite aware of like a lot of the interactions and like your pick and play is solely going to come down to like you knowing how Yu-Gi-Oh works, right? So if you don't play enough and you're just trying to go off theory or like a cheat sheet, there's no combo yes. cheat sheet. You know what I mean? Like that's the big benefit. Um, so yeah, I, so I, I think... say there there are some people that are even like our our playtesting group who go a lot off theory and and don't play as much. Yeah. And I think that it will be very much to your detriment where you won't notice certain things until you start playing. And it's exactly. very, very much so with this deck. So I, I think the only the only benefit that really comes out of that for the players that want like in in the circles of like haha like here's here's this deck list is like 
um, is, is that you sort of know like what to expect now. Um, and like, you know, it's going to be a higher percentage of tier, right? Like the next event is not going to be uh, a three or four day gap between uh, the set coming out and then you getting the cards, right? Everyone should have their cards for Dortmund for the uh, Torella Minashizu deck. And if they're not playing it, then like they're playing a deck that is built to counter the Torella Minashizu deck, which as we've seen is probably not enough, uh, whether it be through representation or just like sheer power level alone. But you'll know what those decks do as well. Right? Yeah, like, the, the cards know, that you know the, the cards market. that counter the deck are things that are like non-engined, unsearchable cards. So you're relying whereas the Sisu deck is basically all engine. So Exactly, yeah. So like you you know now your process when it comes to playtesting. Instead of just uh when you're like re like relatively unaware of what's happening and there's no uh TCG publication for like this deck. You know, you don't have to just take old OCG lists, uh, play that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's just weird to think about um, moving forward. So that, like now you can have a testing group of like, here's the Mystic Mind strategy, here's the Small World Carbon like heavier Shizu strat, here's the Nine Bestial strat, and sort of just like go on yourself between those ones and sort of see which one might just have a higher win percentage uh, moving forward. Obviously, like the the gap between like Pasadena and Dortmund is so is so small that doesn't really matter too much. Um, you're never going to get enough games in to like truly know, but it's just a, just a good thing to have in the back of your head of like, oh, hey, like Mystic Mind GK Trap. Haha, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> some people might not have known that was the case. Like if Mystic Mind is in the deck, like they didn't know GK Trap would be in the deck or vice versa. So yeah, it's kind of kind of interesting. So we obviously saw that 26, I believe, out of the top 32 was 26. the tier limit deck. Yeah. So, do we think that Dortmund is going to be even higher now? I I think well, it would be higher. Dortmund is a is a top sixty four, um, based on the amount of people that have registered, I believe. Uh, okay. So that will be quite interesting. Um, you're gonna have some like very weird. You're gonna get a lot of stragglers decks. with top sixty four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're gonna get like the weird obscure uh counter deck, right? Like it'll be like, haha, here's uh. Medolce, I know that's like a funny one. I was one literally about to say Medolce. <laughs> just as an example of just like a crazy. stupid counter deck. <laughs> Apparently, that, that deck gets to play all of the cool Earth cards and just like it has like engine outs to stop it. I don't know if it's good. You know what I mean? Like, is it any better than uh, than Plunderies or like Exorcist? You know, that's the question. Who, who Who's going to put the time into those decks of uh, the Ishizu deck? Because like, I, I feel like those are like, while they may be like rewarding in the sense that ha huh, you're finding a deck that is like not hard countered by the format it's like yeah but you're playing like a a lower end deck and maybe yeah. your time would be better spent learning like how to play ishizu tier instead of just like putting a bunch of reps into madolce but it's neither here nor there i do personally still think that like in my opinion the only way to like and again this isn't an anti-tier deck but it's like if you don't want to play tier element ishizu mirrors i do think the only actual good deck is like a sprite deck with just a bunch of bestials, honestly. Just max nine bestials and yeah, like I just don't think anything else is. And then a, your hand trap lineup has to be like tuned for a tier element, right? Like that's that's it, I guess. You just like, do what, and then you just what add three more DD crows to your deck, probably. Well, like that that is a pretty reasonable approach. Um, I, I think the other thing that might be worth looking into as well that I discussed with one of my friends is um, 
what if people sort of like adapt of like going second versus going first? Because I feel like we haven't had a format where like going second has been appropriate in a while. Um, the last thing I can really think of is maybe like people looking at Sword Soul, right? Like that was that was like kind of a big one where people mm-hmm. are like going second Sword Soul, but not necessarily like going second, going second. I'm not saying putting cards like like evenly matched or whatever. Well, those, those could be considerations, but more so just like you have all these high value, like the Bestials going second, but the Bestials going first sort of detract from you playing your turn. Um, so what if we look at more cards like the Bestials, more cards that just generate big bodies going second into the tier board, sort of like what Japan was doing with like Alpha and stuff like that could be uh, a consideration moving forward. And that might solve um, that weird sort of part of the format where it's like, if my opponent's floodgating me with Dweller and GK Trap or something, why wouldn't I just have all of these high value going second cards that just generate big bodies? So that could be something we see. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what what engine you would you would play those with. So the the other issue I have. Well, with... just 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 in general, right? Like, because you can just do that in a Shizu tier yourself. Like, you could just play like a like a smaller pocket, and then maybe have like a going second a Shizu tier deck. You're still weak to dwell a bit, uh, like not to the same extent, right? Like, your your deck's just the same thing. But if they dwell at you, you have a lot more playback and a lot of these like stronger monsters that just like gen on board. Like maybe you put Fenrir in your deck, maybe you do stuff like that. But So the problem with Fenrir specifically is thing. if they could just mill it and take it, it with Asa. Can, it, like, it also, and same with the other well, ones no, too, some kind people, of. Some people weren't playing Asa, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> but if this becomes a thing, then they will, right? Like that's also yeah, that's going it back also to what you said about it being the cyclical. As well. Con- conflicting with the Bistials is also a big one. Yeah. It like none of these sound, and again, the fact that we're sitting here, like, well, what about this? It's like none of this sounds mm. good. Like all this just sounds worse yeah. than just playing it normally, right? And that's the problem. That like, well, Pretty what much. if this like maybe this is good? It's like, well, it's probably not. Like I don't know. Um, yeah, I think the big elephant like, in the like room <laughs> is Abyss Dweller. I think that's that's the one, right? Like that's the big thing. I think like if Abyss Dweller is out of the equation there's a lot more you can do. But Abyss Dweller is just one of those cards like we've seen so frequently, uh, like Scythe and just all these, you know, like Dimensional Barrier, just all of these cards that just activate and once they resolve, you cannot do anything for your entire turn in most circumstances. And I think that card really limits the playability of these sort of point of interaction, fight for the board type cards like Alpha and Pangratops and Fenrir and even Bistrals. It's like, yes, they attack mm. over Abyss Dweller, so hopefully you're not getting Abyss Dwellered again, but it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't actually stop it, right? And I think that's like yeah, yeah. the big point of concern. So, Jeff, one thing that you mentioned yeah. earlier this week to us is like, we just ban Is Abyss Dweller the card that goes? Like, if we're talking about like an adjusted list, like... It seems really counterintuitive to say that Abyss Dweller is the card that stops the Ishizu Tear deck, therefore it should maybe be the card that gets banned, but it's like the Ishizu Tear deck utilizes it so much more effectively than every other deck that it yeah. really cuts that, off so many avenues of counterplay. Issue, right? So that is yeah, this is, issue. Yeah, this is like... So I've been following on social media people talking about Abyss Dweller, uh-huh. and a vast majority of people are just like, 
no, Abyss Dweller shouldn't be banned. It's never been a problem before. Why would oh. they ban it now? What? Um, and they're saying, like, <laughs> other decks can make Abyss Dweller and beat to beat tier. And if you take that away from them, they can't beat them. And I'm like, there are so many things wrong with each of those things that I've said. <laughs> that, like, yeah. so first of all, talking about not it not being a problem before anyone who says abyss Dweller has not been a problem before has never played Yu-Gi-Oh in their life i swear <laughs> to god uh it is just a card so any card that is a one-sided floodgate i think is inherently problematic and probably shouldn't be a thing when you look at card like thunder dragon colossus that is banned obviously there are a lot of people who wish that thunder dragon colossus would come back but that is a card that is way less accessible than abyss dweller in my opinion and shuts off searching Starting things off from the graveyard for the entire turn and is one-sided and you that you don't have to search for it it's just from your extra deck. It's just accessible whenever you put level four monsters in the field is like way too overtuned in a 2022 format where so many things are graveyard reliant. Uh, going on after that, they talk about oh, other decks that make a Bisweller to beat tier can't do it anymore. Oh yeah, well they weren't doing it. At all, they weren't beating. Yeah, yeah they, well, they're not beating also, Tyre now. And I before imagine. that, before the Ashizu cards were out, Chirlimit still wasn't losing to Abyss Dweller against these other decks. Exactly. So yes. I don't know what you all are talking about. It still wasn't good enough to beat them with those other decks. Uh, they can do it more. So now what you have they're, is they, Abyss looking. Dweller in the Tier Limit deck that makes the mirror match uninteractive. And so they're, now they're okay, looking I'll... at the old formats, right? They're looking at Mermail, Fire Fist. Did you remember that that time when it was like? Yeah, every uh, oh every deck God. could summon a rank four. That was like the big one, and they were like, "Yeah, Dweller's fine. It's healthy. Like it gives you like the option to keep Mermail or like Dragon and check." And now it's just like, no, no, no. Like we've descended, but like, we've gone past that point. And the best deck is just losing to Abyss Dweller, and no other deck can summon Dweller without just like being terrible, right? That's yes. it's just the whole yes. thing. You, we are not in in twenty fourteen, twenty thirteen, where it's Mermail and Fire Fist. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, like I saw one person say like, "Oh, now like math. If you do that, math that can't make it." I'm like, oh, "Math that wasn't no. making it 90 percent of the time anyway, because you're locked into freaking cybers monsters." Uh, I don't know what you're mm-hmm. talking about. It was a, it's just so infuriating to to see. Ever since I joined Twitter, <laughs> I feel like my mind has gone. I've lost my mind way more than I. I, I will admit. Have. I will admit. These types of social media platforms. Like these social media, they 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 seem to give everybody a place to voice their opinion, and some people's opinions probably shouldn't be, probably shouldn't be out there like that, <laughs> like the way yeah. that Twitter allows them to be. But so there's there's fine. a quote that I heard a long time Ugh. ago, and I love to use it, and okay. it is, "You are not entitled to your opinion; you are entitled to what you can argue for." An opinion sure. is, I think chocolate is better than vanilla. Not Abyss Dweller should not be banned because it's never been a problem before. That is not an argument. If you want to make an argument for Abyss Dweller, you need to come up with some facts and some, some data to back up your claim. Otherwise, I'm going to come at you and you're going to be looking real foolish. Yeah. I think... Uh... I also think... It's, it's, so it's very irrelevant in the grand scheme of things as well to like die on that hill. If you're like, oh, no, you shouldn't ban Abyss Dweller, Konami doesn't care, right? Like, Konami will see you post saying, my deck can't summon Abyss Dweller anymore. They'll be like, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to their bottom line, whatever. If Konami goes, we would like to ban Abyss Dweller, 
to promote, you know, more interactive gameplay, they'll just do it. On the the on like the other side of the coin, they might just not ban it, and they won't give you a reason to, you know, to them not banning it. So it's just irrelevant, right? <laughs> so I, I just want to say, all three of us think that Abyss Dweller is a ban-worthy card, correct? Oh, definitely. I mean, if right. Abyss Dweller so, had so... been banned at any point in the last eight years, I would have gone, eh, probably. You're right. Mm-hmm. Like, so literally I, I any list. <laughs> do not do... I, Oh, oh, okay. Back. So, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, Bowden, I, I personally Bowden. don't oh, sorry, know <laughs> if they would ban it. I have heard before that from years ago, anyway, that they didn't think it was a ban-worthy card. But you know, times change. Yu-Gi-Oh is much different than it was six years ago. There are just mm-hmm. so many strategies that are graveyard reliant, and just to like shut them off for one turn in Yu-Gi-Oh, that's usually all you need. Um, and I think. I mean, another argument I saw was you saw um, uh, Hani against Jesse in the finals make up Best Dweller, and Jesse was still able to come back and play a little bit. And I think anyone with half a brain would be able to look at that match and see that, first of all, Hani did not opti- uh, open optimally, and not only did he not open optimally, Jesse milled very fortunately off the first mills. So on the first turn, Hani had to normal summon Diviner as his first play, which is not the play you want to be making playing the tier limit deck at all. And then after the mill five happened, Jesse hit some like really good cards and Hani hit some mediocre cards. So he just leaned on Abyss Dweller and had to Abyss Dweller a couple turns in a row. And, you know, if that card didn't exist, you would have saw a way more interesting game. Anytime you saw the mirror this weekend, if Abyss Dweller didn't exist, you would have seen a infinitely more interesting game because you'd be a lot of play back and forth. Yeah, I think that's like the interesting thing to take from this format as well. It's just like when in doubt, you default to Abyss Dweller. Which, again, isn't necessarily healthy for the reasons that we brought up before, as one person might actually just not be able to play Underdweller, right? Like, what to what extent is your turn going to end up? If, like, someone just looks at their hand, they're like, oh, shit, like, summon Kelder, summon Medora, summon level 4, make Dweller pass, right? Maybe their hand is, like, Bistule, something else. They're going to Dweller you, no You're playback make a, from you. a medium play that does nothing. Yeah. Pretty much, right? And like, Maybe I don't think that's, them. that should exist. Yeah. Well, like, that's the thing. At least Baguska has playback, right? right like, yeah, if you yeah. get Baguska, it's not like a floodgate. Like, it's a floodgate, but like, it's a floodgate that is only active like while it's face up, and it doesn't stop something like Druid Swarm. It doesn't stop the field spell. You know what I mean? It doesn't stop. Not to say Dweller stops the field spell, but like, it, it does. Um, <laughs> yeah. Usually, yeah, yes, it, yes. Imagine what Abyss said while this card is face up on the field. You know what I mean? Or like just something something ridiculous like that. Then mm-hmm. I think it would, you know, it would have some balance to it. But the fact that it just creates this like lingering blanket effect uh, just, just causes so many issues in like modern day Yu-Gi-Oh! Where like nothing deals with that. You have to have these cards that like preemptively deal with it. And those cards just suck on their own as well. So you make your deck worse by extension attempting to beat Abyss Dweller. And there's not enough cards that, like, like you know, like, we're trying to identify, like, hey, like, we could put, like, Fenrir and, like, Alpha and, like, these cards just, like, summon and attack over Dweller. It's just, like, but then that what do they do when it, they don't yeah. Dweller us? Yeah. You, know, you still like, lost your turn and your opponent's going to play their turn uninhibited, pretty, basically. Pretty much. So, yeah. the other the other thing, I guess, I have, a, I have a few points about this. Um, The point against Abyss Dweller, I guess, or and cards like it, I, your point about Baguska, something that I wanted to bring up, is that, I just 
think they need to get rid of all of these cards that have blanket effects for the whole turn. If a card just says like, for the rest of this turn, your opponent cannot blank, ban it. I don't care what it does, <laughs> you know? Like <laughs> your opponent cannot, some from the extra deck. Okay, Scythe, go away. You know, like your opponent cannot, so, or, you know, Barrier or Mist Dweller, even like Shifter, just the effects that like once they're in effect, they don't turn off and there's no way to interact with them is just like, it's so frustrating. You know, like floodgates are one thing, but there are ways to deal with them. Like, obviously, like no one really likes floodgates, but like, uh, that's a whole other thing. But the effects I, that I you think, just... I think the problem for me is that like, it's it's the one-sided floodgates that are also searchable. Sure. So that's like my huge problem. Obviously, like like the ones that aren't searchable feel a lot worse because they feel a lot more random but those ones because they aren't searchable i mean you're at least you're not going to just like lose 100 percent of your games like most of the time if you lose the die roll going second to tier you're mm. going to lose most of those games because you're going to get a best dweller but at least when you play against like sprites using uh the shifter or whatever like they're not always going to have shifter when yeah. you do you'll probably lose but i mean at least there's there is some some variants there that you can can deal with um yeah it's like yeah, sprite but... having to set up mannequin cat is just so many extra like mannequin cat to summon the turtle or like end of anubis or something like that right think about like how much more effort is going into something like that compared to just dweller existing yeah just seems seems ridiculous in, in comparison yeah even like scythe scythe you have like mm. a at least if you play three sanctum you have like a 40 percent chance to open it with your opening hand which is pretty fucking high and then if you go with the trap trick stuff that's even higher Danda, which is in your extra deck <laughs> yeah, yeah there's like like uh uh the pendulum deck can just do that right yeah. the pendulum deck is, mm -hmm. is able able to do that um so which which also can i just say what the pendulum deck does is it makes natis and puts it under dweller and then detaches natis to pop their sight so they dweller mm -hmm. and sight you <laughs> that's not you fun. can't double play yes. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. like okay i i guess like oh you got a droplet from my dweller all right well you don't got a droplet from my sight then yeah yep um one thing i wanted to to just point out i think it's kind of interesting um this was pointed out to me a few days ago, is that if you look at the cards that are forbidden, um, the extra deck cards, uh, the synchros are all cards that do a lot and borderline FTK your opponent. In fact, mm -hmm. some of them just FTK your opponent. Tempest Magician, Ib the World Child is just a card, Danglong, Chaos Ruler, and Ancient Fairy Dragon. And if you look at the exceeds that are forbidden, which there are many, many, many more exceeds forbidden than, than synchros, there are a couple like invoker and laval chain that are very you know like combo based and then the vast majority of them are floodgate cards there's Chalkmaster, utopic zexel <laughs> as a thought uh you know uh vfd Flamies, yeah fans. just you know so i wouldn't be like it wouldn't be unheard of if abyss dweller was just oh we didn't even talk about rongo miniad yeah rongo miniad as well yeah, yeah. You know, uh, wouldn't shock me if Abyss Dweller joined joined the ranks of of these cards. I think you can draw some functional similarities uh, to Abyss Dweller and a lot of the Forbidden Exceeds monsters. So, I don't know, just a thought. Um, I'll be honest, I don't remember what my second thought was earlier when I was talking about me wanting Abyss Dweller banned. Um, all right, well, <laughs> I guess we can just... <laughs> 
That's good. Maybe it was this. Who knows? I'm pretty sure it was probably this. Oh, I have something interesting to bring up that sort of just like doesn't really play into this discussion of Dweller, but I feel like we, we could go on for years about why yeah. this Dweller shouldn't exist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to note that Edison had 50 public events file. I think it was 50 at the, the latest point that I checked. Um, 50 public events file over the weekend. Yeah. Eight mans. That's okay. crazy to think about, right? Yes. Yes. I think like you were you were going to see uh a lot more interest in like maybe these sort of like older formats you know like we we talked about heart of the underdog but you know to what extent are you going to do heart of the underdog for like a ycs public event you're going to be like haha no issues your cards you know what i mean it's a lot easier for the to at a ycs to be like hey time wizard edison on demand whatever i know europe tends to do like a slightly larger edison tournament um i think they might have actually had a giant card in europe for one of the time wizard formats i can't remember if that was at the european championship or i feel uh, like i vaguely remember Mm. hearing about this i think it was so like something to add to that though do you what what okay what if right this is strictly Mm -hmm. hypothetical what if instead of konami utilizing the ban list to sort of keep competitive play just just rolling like but like not utilizing it like so swiftly like people are anticipating something to happen to these cards just based on like how powerful they are what if when something like this happens, Konami gravitates towards uh, a legacy format, right? Like, what what if that is just, like, they go, their goal in, like, the next year or two is just, like, we're going to integrate Time Wizards so much more into organized play. There is demand for it. We're going to, like, you've seen they've, they've reprinted the cards. Like, Crystal Revenge just has, like, a lot of Edison cards. It's it has, Blackwing's like, the, Revenge. The zombie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pr- pretty much, yeah. It's like Bayou, you have the Revive King Hades and Doom Kaiser. Like, those just didn't have too it's many. Just, it's just reprints. every Blackwing legal in Edison. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, pretty much. Well, like, now now your entry point is just like, haha, Crystal Revenge. Like, you get to play Edison. Yeah, with, actually. Uh, with the Blackwing you're, you're missing Black Whirlwind, that's it. But that was in the Crazy. other Battle of Legends, and it's yeah, like, yeah, not pretty expensive. much, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so like, do you guys think that could be a thing? Like, this is pretty self-contained. Like, it was self-contained initially for, like, the legacy formats, but, like, Konami's now throwing them a bone. Like, do you think there would be a world where maybe we see either a larger public event, um, whether it be in North America or Europe, or even just, like, consideration of having a legacy format YCS? I believe, they, had, I believe they already had a YCS Edison format in No, 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 no. Edison. That wasn't a YCS, that was ago. a Shonen Jump. It was a Shonen Jump. And Damn. you were incorrect, yes. <laughs> I think the next step is to, so Attack of the Giant card is, do they even do that anymore? They or do, they yes. just do, Okay, they so do, yeah. I think that the next step would be Attack of the Giant card for Edison format, so anyone mm-hmm. can enter, and then the Giant cards are all iconic Edison format cards. Yeah. I think I, I that's would, the would, next would, step. Like and then like if a... they see, uh, uh, instead of just the eight-man side events, and mm-hmm. since if they get a lot of people turning out for that, or even if it's like something, I don't, it could be something related, giant card related, something bigger uh, than mm. an eight-man tournament. And then if that goes well, I if Konami sees, oh, this could be something that could be profitable, or like mm. maybe this we could do more with this. I 100%. They, they have to see the results. So first step, yeah. they see all of these eight-man tournaments firing. I saw on, a lot of people posting note, on Facebook yeah. about it. Uh, next is see, all right, do people want to do something bigger than this? And mm. if that goes well, then they'll probably take it one step further. I, I think the big thing we'd probably have to take away from something like that would be, like, unique players per eight-man, right? Because, like, Correct. that's how you dictate how many people are actually interested in Edison instead of people just trying to farm the one public event consecutive times. 
because I know like I had friends enter those uh, those events you know whenever they could, but it's like you know others were firing in tandem alongside it, so it's like there has to be at least sixteen people quote unquote that are interested in playing Edison yeah. at a minimum, unless they're all alternating each uh, public event. Um, something <laughs> else that I, I want to note as well, which is really funny, and I think the natural progression of um, that, that you'll see for like legacy formats maybe is that you only had two people, uh, sorry, two GOAT events fire. The, the tier, I was talking to like one of the tiers because like I, I could only get a GOAT deck. I borrowed a GOAT deck um, from, from one of my friends and I was like, oh, okay, I'll play like a GOAT format public, like whatever. I just had some time to kill after I already scrubbed. Um, and they're just like, yeah, we fired two. If you can get seven people who want to play, by all means, no one else wants to play it. It's all Edison this weekend. Um, and I, I think that is very funny because that's people realizing goat sucks. Um, I was just about to say goat sucks. <laughs> like... Any, anyone who has, again, anyone who's played goat, first of all, existed during goat, and then also mm -hmm. went back to it, knows that, that goat is not the goat of formats. Oh, it's, much. it's also nothing like it was back then. Like, like no, if right. you play, if you, if you just downloaded two deck lists from that nationals and just played them against each other, I'm sure it's a much more enjoyable experience than like playing the ultra refined yeah. 20 years yeah. later. <laughs> like it's <laughs> funny playing decks with like roulette barrel in them, you know, it's, like that's kind of crazy. novel. <laughs> the the deck like... that I got lent, I, I, he's, yeah, I borrowed the deck from, uh, from Joe from the, the side deck. Uh, he, he's, he's one of the, one of their workers. He's like, yeah, mm -hmm. you borrowed this. It's a, uh, it's a, fusion gate deck like monster gate dimension fusion stuff yeah. like that i look at it and i just go this looks very ignorant and no one would have played this in 2005 oh, yeah ex <laughs> exactly yeah like it's it, it's all different and like in my opinion it's only a matter of time until edison looks like that until the edison yeah, that we're playing started that is true to... There are already decks that, that people are playing that just did... Because like, something people I, like about Edison is there are a lot of different decks. Well, there are already decks that people are building that didn't exist back then that might end up being better some, than... some wild Edison stuff that I don't think anyone even considered in 2010. Of course not. I saw a frog... There was a frog FTK loop with Gotham's that would just rip your hand and it used the Exodius. There was like uh, the, the dragon... The shuffles all the back... Yeah, yeah. And it just put all the frogs back, looped it again, and just repeated the process. That was, like, pretty ridiculous. It kept out infinite fishbog blaster fodder as well. Because it would just do swap, bounce, bounce. And it, this is pre-Ronin as well. I thought that was ridiculous. Um, and then, of course, I think during COVID, we saw the, uh, it was, like, deep draw uh, dragon with, like, future fusion. And it would just aim to set up, like, light and darkness dragon and, like, a kill shot on the following turn. Um, and that was just like super rejuves and like trade-ins and stuff like that. I thought that was like really, really interesting because it was just stuff that like no one even considered to be playable back then. Because I think everyone was like sort of playing cowards, you give us neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. I, 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 for one, am not a big fan of legacy formats in general. I think there is a novelty to them mm -hmm. if you stick to we'll just play the decks that people played back then because it's funny and we would like to revisit the history of the game. We'll make some edits when things just make no sense or we'll agree to not play with like, you know, like, like uh, I went back and I played like 2007 with one of my old roommates that topped nationals in 2007 because it was funny. And, and then we like took crush card out because that wasn't funny, you know, like it was just no longer enjoyable when certain things like that. So I, I understand the appeal 
um like to that extent but eventually the formats just don't look like they did and you're actually just playing something else and i like i think it is only a matter of time until edison starts looking like goat does which is like nothing that people are playing in goat now is even remotely similar to what people were playing back then i have the craziest trade off of right trade off Uh of alongside rivalry of the warlords you offer and uh, like a legacy time wizard format it would be eight man but it is eight random decks that top that that pocket that would be so fun oh my gosh that would be so fun and do, do you know what's crazy That's to think crazy. about too? All of those cards will have been reprinted in literal minimum rarity, so there is zero liability. When people say the rivalry of the Warlord decks just have like collector rare first edition tune chaos cards, I just think, wow, they're really risking it all, huh? <laughs> <laughs> now imagine like you have like common GERT format national decks, right? Like, and you yeah. just RNG, you high roll the eight, you know, you do two goals and seven nationals. That those deck lists are there, like they exist. Yeah, the people that work at Konami now were judging back then. <laughs> most yeah. likely. Some of them might have been playing in that in those tournaments. Yeah, like I, I uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, like if you go back far enough, yeah, Jerome was just like probably at the event, you know, either yeah. doing coverage or he was or playing wrote the it. coverage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was that's a I like that idea a lot. I, I don't know, like it would you know, it needs a little bit more re- refining, mm. but like that is that sounds very interesting, especially when you consider that most of those jumps back then were caught mm. to top eight anyway and the deck lists are just all there like yeah like it's it's pretty much right it's interesting for sure that um that could be something yeah like if the listeners like kind of want to maybe bring that to zodiac duelist or something maybe at the forefront because i don't think rivalry of the warlords was something that anyone would have ever considered and i think that's a really cool progressive thing it yeah. gives uh incentive to like people who travel to events right they'll, they'll play current they don't like current they don't have a legacy format but it's an option for a public event uh that has like no real requirement right um, i want to just explain sit down play a deck real quick so for those of you who don't know what rivalry of the warlords uh is it is a side event at ycs's they started offering uh this year at ycs charlotte which is basically you get a rental deck so it's eight people and uh the to um whether it be like konami or whoever's like actually uh hosting whoever's the to of the tournament um has eight pre-made decks that are relatively equal power level and they're all kind of like off meta strategies my understanding as well is that these decks were made by r&d these are deck lists that came from like konami and billy and yeah Yeah. i believe i believe that's correct because what also comes with it is you get a little packet it's like it's just like a couple pages and it just explains the, the decks and like the strategy stuff. yeah, yeah. Mm. so like the live twin one you know i'm sure it'll be like <laughs> pay attention to the names like you know the blue ones are kiss to kill and and or the blue ones are mm-hmm. i don't know the blue ones are lila and the and the red ones are kiss to kill and you gotta have a, the opposite names to trigger the effects or whatever whatever right like i'm sure it's something like that um and yeah i think it would be interesting if there would be so Bowden is saying is instead of them being like those pre-made like fun you know like less competitive decks it would just be pre-made this is top eight of 
Shonen Jump Charlotte, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. 2008. And it's just like eight Taladad decks or seven Taladad exactly. decks and one Gladiator Beast deck. And it's like, oh, no, I roll, I, I, I low rolled the GP deck, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like, I guess <laughs> like, that's kind of fun. And I, I think that would be like really good as like the in- introduction to Time Wizard, right? Yeah. Because the decks are there. They're very static. Um, and it's sort of like a building experience for the people that like haven't actually played those older formats um, and it doesn't require them to put an initial investment in and I think that's a really sort of like cool way to like promote the the legacy formats that they're doing now like yes the tournaments exist yes you're reprinting the cards but um, you know I do think those older formats can be gatekept by some of the you know like the, the people that have been playing them religiously for you know the last five ten years or whatever you know since their inception like some of those people are just sitting there playing and they know everything but it's like you're sitting down and it's like what's priority you know what i mean like what what what, what am i doing um so like maybe like one of those with like a little packet of like oh time wizard 2010 you know some of the prominent decks in this format blah 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 and then like a little guide of like here's how the cards work back then you know here's how you know pre-errata looked like for some of these cards like that could be really really interesting and it sort of gives like uh, like people are like a perspective into like old Yu-Gi-Oh, but in like an official format, right? Like not not sorry, not an official format, but like um, like an official publication that isn't just like uh, like a GertFormat.com or like an EdisonFormat.com sort of uh, thing. So you have it straight from you know Konami's mouth of like here's how it works. Like I'm sure Jerome would be happy to sit there for two hours and write about you know old Yu-Gi-Oh for like a little guidebook or something for like an upcoming YSBS. So I think that would be like really really interesting to see. Um, and then like just people sort of like having an idea of like how the format should be played because that's that's a big thing for me as well the ambiguity going into these time wizard events regarding like how end of match procedure is how uh how are we playing cards like with the rod is like how are we playing certain ruling interactions how are we using like priority or anything like that um and it can be a, like a kind of intimidating for like newer players to sort of approach um granted like these are public events that a person they should be fun I do think it can be like a, a factor in people deciding whether or not they want to enter those sort of events. So that, that could, that could be something they could use as like a way to integrate it into organized play a little bit more. Um, something I do kind of want to touch on is what you were saying is I think time wizard as a whole is really hurt by the lack of documentation for exactly. rules in Yu-Gi-Oh mm-hmm. throughout the years. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think Yu-Gi-Oh really struggled with, rules documentations for a long time and it really wasn't until generation force that i think it was like adequately uh like archived and and by that Mm. i mean all the cards just do what they actually say something to (laughs) you can can branch off to this but this is something Uh i saw you're breaking up sorry you're breaking up yeah sorry Okay, so there was a there was a post in the judges' lounge. Mm-hmm. Can you guys see me? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, and it was it was regarding like IP and Rukalos, right? Yeah. That was like the big sort of uh, question over the weekends, like can Rukalos negate IP Masquerina's effect to summon? Um, and one of the the admins posted, he's like, there was a database entry, um, and that answered this question. However, it no longer exists, and I think that is when you have a lot of issues, right? When you don't um maybe like have uh like an oracle sort of rule set like most other games like magic the gathering has like oracle text stuff like that where it's just like you can sort of see like where the cards development process has gone whether it be like errata 
uh, ruling changes and stuff like that. Konami really enjoys just like wiping the whole like backlog of history regarding certain interactions, you know, like that. That's like the the weird thing that I, I think Konami does that other games tend to not do. Like other games will tend to acknowledge certain things like that, and they'll stay like whether it be like in like a PDF, you know, on their like main website or in like a database or something like that. So Konami's is like ruling from 2013. It now works this way in 2018. How do we find proof that it worked this way in 2013? You removed it from the entire, you know, website that it was on, yeah. which is the website that you hosted. The big like, one, the big one for me was, do you remember a pointer of Red Lotus? How the uh-huh. the sneak peek document of rulings yep. for a pointer of the Red Lotus said the text of this card is incorrect it is not next end phase it is opponent's next end phase that's what it said in in the sneak peek ruling faq for that card Mm -hmm. and then like it got like printed again and it just still wasn't the correct like it still said next end phase not opponent's next and like it was it was really bizarre and then they and then the the ruling just got deleted and now it just functions as it's written and i just don't like why did why so my question isn't like why didn't it get eroded to match that the faq my question is why the faq even exist if, if that yeah. just isn't like what like what yeah i don't understand so, so i actually i i think i i kind of have something to go along with this point so i know at least around a long time ago um whenever uh, new cards would come out uh konami tcg would ask japan how is this intended to work or how is this ruling and a lot of times japan would take a very long time to get back to them to explain what this is supposed to be and an example of that that a lot of people like will complain about to this day is uh if sangen is detached from an exceeds mm. material does it get its effect uh, and that was when Xyz first came out, and Konami TCG was like, "Hey, do Xyz monsters like if if they leave as a material, do like the monsters get the effects?" And Japan like didn't get back to them in time, so they had to make a ruling for this event, and that's what they went with. Obviously, they had to like revert that, but it a lot it's a, a big problem is that first of all that Yu-Gi-Oh was the only major card game and even from the minor card games that does not have a comprehensive rules document. And for those of you who don't know, it's like a, you can Google it, like magic comprehensive rules, Pokemon comprehensive rules. And it's a giant document that gets into the nitty gritty of, of the card game to explain things. Yu-Gi-Oh does not have that. And a big reason because of that is because there is this disconnect between the mother company of Japan and Konami TCG, whereas these other companies don't really have that. And if they do have that, it's much more isolated. So like with Pokemon, obviously it's made in Japan, but they have like a huge company here in the United States that is like kind of its own thing. Um, Whereas we don't really have that. Everything has to go through Japan and because of that, there's always this, yeah, like this disconnect when it comes to rulings and cards and how things work. That also plays into the the ruling that I was mentioning as well. Um, my understanding is that if a head judge gives a ruling like that, it, it's either what Jeff said, where Japan hasn't given uh, any like any response leading up to it. Yeah. Um, so they had communication with R and D. Um, 
in Europe, it tends to be, uh, you'll notice Europe and, and TCG, sorry, European TCG and, and North American TCG tend to have differing rulings for certain events. And the reason being is that, again, this is purely just based on what, I, what I've noticed over the years. Europe TCG will tend to go off of uh, what Japan has distinctively said. And if Japan hasn't responded to them, they'll use any database entries or like, they'll sort of use like a marker of like, this is how it should, should be ruled, right? Uh, North American TCG has a lot more communication with R&D. Uh, obviously, like a TCG event in North America will be like the same time zone that, you know, Konami uh, USA will be awake and you can get a response a lot quicker. And you also have Konami representatives like at the event. So like you're going to be at the event and like communication will be had with the hedges beforehand. So I think a lot of stuff does sort of like cause issue at that point, right? Because it's like, like you said, either Japan won't communicate effectively um, or they will communicate effectively, but there's like some conflict internally. It's it's just a whole can of worms where it's like, I don't think you can ever truly like fall to judge because like they're doing the best that they can and they're being told one thing and then like another pocket of judges are being told another thing. And then you have Japan who is just like, oh, well, you, you know, we don't care. <laughs> Japan's still dealing with email rulings and that's how, you know, they play out most of their local tournaments. And then like the larger tournaments are like, you know, this you know what i mean it's just yeah it's 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 a big can of worms I, I think it's very it's a very archaic system especially compared to other games and in 2022 but yeah right? step in the right direction to having like database entries in like the ocg uh database right that's like probably like the the, the peak that we're at just having like that is like the, the what do you call it like the master rule text sort of thing well we really strayed from Oh yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> cutting that part out. <laughs> Wait, which part? We like dogs. Who wants to? All right, we had some technical difficulties there, but uh, we are back. Um, so, just I guess to wrap up thoughts on Time Wizard, uh, the big thing that I, the big point that I kind of wanted to to wrap back around to is I hope that if they do larger Time Wizard events. Um, as Bowden was suggesting, or, you know, as we're talking about maybe having like the rental deck robbery warlord time wizard events, there will be some better public documentation. Um, and the example I will point to is recently speed duel finally, finally, finally got actual documentation of how skills work and how like, like, which is crazy to say the first like three years speed duel existed. There was just no documentation and how the rules of it actually functioned. Um, and they finally like did that like a little under maybe six months ago, I want to say. So, uh, with the release of the GX box is, is when really like, or a little bit before that is when everything kind of got hammered down. So I'm hoping maybe they'll release some sort of like document explaining time wizard formats pre 2012, right? You know how there's a chart that explains how fast effect timing works that like officially removed ignition effect priority for us in TCG. What if they just printed or what if they just released like a legacy format chart, like a, a, a time wizard fast effect timing chart that, that, that would apply to, you know, all, all time wizard events that took place before, uh, whatever 2012 event was the first one, the new rules went into effect. And then that would just, kind of eliminate the ambiguity as Bowden was saying earlier. Yeah, like that I, I would I would 
people would welcome that, right? That just makes a, a wealth of sense to like have you have this format now in your organized play cabinet. It's there. This is played more than traditional format. You know, you know what yeah, I mean? which that you've had, you've had in you know, it existed for godness since the, the dawn of the band. That's it. Ha, traditional format. Now it's just like, well, why wouldn't you offer the exact same thing for these legacy formats? Like, put more effort into it. People will play it. Like, there's demand for it. Just make a little document. That's, that's all I'm saying. Like, um, yeah. So I guess I kind of want to circle back back around to. The last, you know, kind of the the first thing that we mentioned and, uh, you know, what led to all this time wizard talk. But uh, how do we feel about tier zero formats? I understand that most of the most of the player base and I would say especially the casual player base really doesn't like tier zero formats because if you don't play competitively, you generally have your deck or your pocket of decks that you like. And you want to be able to play them to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when there is a, well, I will say when there is like a definitive absolute best deck, you know, you kind of can't really play those things. But my counter argument to that will be like, last format, there were two decks. There was Trellement and Sprite. Like, is it, if there are only, is is a one deck format really that different from a two deck format in terms of like, I don't know, like, I'm not even sure what word to use because it won't be correct. Like, innovation, like, as far, you know, as far as, like, playing some sort of homebrew deck at your locals, like, is it is a, is a one-deck format really restricting you more than a two-deck format was? If anything, wouldn't that give you a better chance of winning because you can target down the one deck that everyone's playing? Um... So I I want to go back and kind of kind of if so if we look at before this mm-hmm. I would not say it's a, a two deck format at all if you look at YCS Minneapolis you saw Plunderies you saw Exo Sister um, well I don't think saw... one Exo Sister topping means that like it's in the format necessarily well and the, well, and then before that it won a YCS that is true before Darkwing um, Blast. Yeah, yeah. Which I will say, Darkwing Blast maybe pushed that deck out a little bit. But yes, uh, I see your yeah, point. Yeah, but I do uh, see. Your but point. You, you still have there was multiple plunderies that topped. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't say it's I'd say it's like two with some splashes and um, it at least gives people the I don't want to say illusion. I was I'm gonna, gonna say, say illusion. illusion. <laughs> yeah, I was the gonna say illusion of that that the the format is a lot more wide open than it actually is. And I think that's more important than the actual reality, especially to a more casual player base where it, the casual player base will see the one exercise at the top and that's all they'll focus on, right? They're like, oh yeah, exercise top this event. It won another event. Exercise is a good deck. You know what's crazy? You know about. who else does that? Calvin. <laughs> He'll be like, <laughs> give me the sprite list that topped. I'm like, Calvin, it was 26 Ishizu. He's like, I need to see the sprite list. I'm like, all right, calm down. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, but yes, continue. Same thing. There are people who are like, oh, like, oh, this sprite guy who got top four, he's mm-hmm. like the guy we need mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. beat to beat the evil Ishizu. <clears throat> and, and people will, fo- will focus on that. But when you don't really have that as much... Um, it, I, it can like hurt that casual player base. To, to to add to add to that note as well, which is which is funny that you brought that up. After playing that guy, I talked to him, and he told me his deck was just Paulo's deck with a couple changes. 
he had a better tournament experience than Pollard, who made yeah. significant updates to his list. So that guy took Pollard's list. Again, this is no slide against him. He did quite well, and he, he played quite well. Um, maybe missed a couple things, but, you know, apparently, like, he, he hadn't played since 2012, and he only started playing again. So he did quite, you know, good. What else can you expect? Um, yeah, so Pollard was disappointed with his list, right? Not the top four guys, list like Pollard's own list. This guy was very happy with Pollard's list from the prior event that he changed, you know, five or six cards from. Like, it, it, it's it's a weird dichotomy to look at in, like, a tier zero format of, like, is this guy's, you know, like, how many other people are playing a list similar to this guy's list? And the answer is probably a lot more than you could, you know, really fathom. It's just he was the one that managed to edge through and, you know, make the, the top cut. And it's happened, you know, in countless other tier zero formats as well. You know, in Spiral, you saw Trickstar. You saw, like, the, the Grass Looks Green, the Lightsworn deck sort of just, like, pop into top cuts so yeah it, it's it's weird people truly just don't understand how tier zero formats work and i i think just for everyone's sanity they probably just shouldn't exist but yeah, yeah so i mean it goes back to like the original question is how do we feel about them and i personally i i, I don't like them and i think that would surprise a lot of people because i think a lot of people think that oh really good players love tier zero formats because like mirror matches are skillful etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm. And I don't necessarily agree with that because that is, I'd say that is not the case a majority of the time there's a tier zero format. Sometimes it is, but it, I, it, I also just don't find them enjoyable. The best part about Yu-Gi-Oh! for me is building different decks and playing mm. with them, uh, coming up with decks and, and whatnot. That's the most fun for me more than playing is, is just building a deck and, and yeah. trying new things. Um having the, like, the wiggle room right like just having right. the option to have a different deck each time is a big one and then when it's tier zero it's like what can i do today and it's like so much has to go right for you to win the tournament and then it's yeah. like maybe i can just always top but is that ever <laughs> enough i don't know like right and i think the specific problem. thing about the the Ashizu deck is that if you play any other deck that isn't a shizu when they go first and they mill like ten cards off your deck, your deck ceases to function as an actual I was, deck. As one thing I meant to bring up way, 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 way earlier when we were talking about um like counter decks to whatever, you know, and it's like if you're playing Flunder and you don't draw Shifter and they just go, I'll mill five and they mill like you know, they, two they can. Mill five. Yeah. They mill five. They mill yeah. five. They mill five more. They say yeah. go, and then they trigger like another mill effect and yeah. mill five. That's fifteen <laughs> cards out of your deck, and you might not be able to get a lot of those cards back, and your deck doesn't function as actual deck anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rough. I mean, like, so, so that's that's um that's generally what makes, in my opinion, generally what makes a deck tier zero is not necessarily its own power level in a vacuum it's the inability of other decks to combat it and mm -hmm. this deck what what people overlook i think people just just really tunnel on like the power level of this deck and to be honest this deck's power level is not much different than the previous tier element deck the difference is what as jeff just said it just actually deck like your opponent's deck doesn't function like most of the time you know like your deck got a little bit better and then it also just makes your opponent's deck not work anymore and if we look at like how some of these previously like tier zero formats in like kind of recent memory um played out i would say one of the big reasons spiral was tier zero is because of resort you just couldn't target anything 
and so many decks yeah. and so many cards needed to be able to target that just this deck had three resort three terraforming and it just was rota and none of your cards can be targeted and it's like oh well 85 percent of Yu-Gi-Oh decks right now don't function if they can't target and also the rules just changed and links just just came out and the other 12 percent mm-hmm. of Yu-Gi-Oh decks can't function anyway so yeah. here we are, on, right? On, We're on left the, with no functioning decks. To spiral as well. I think that the other big thing um, that even even after, so like this is something that like I don't think we really touched on of like what happens if like a, an adjusted list or like you know an emergency ban list, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. It, it would just be a ban list at this point because there's yeah. no definitive time frame. Um, if we look at spiral after it dominated like what two or three events, um, and then they decided to hit it literally the Monday after uh, YCS London, London yeah, then. Um, Spiral still, you know, steamrolled the rest of the format. Yeah, Spiral so still existed after that format as well, when we had um, the the nightmares come out too. Like that was yeah. still a deck. Was and then good, Magician Souls as as came out. Before. Yeah, and then it was just yeah, it, like it, it, it existed exactly. many different times. Yeah, so I, I think any any like hits or restrictions that we have uh, sort of have to like look at the deck itself. And I, I think the big like they, that was like the big thing um, for Spiral especially because it went from like haha like silly combo version, but it wasn't really silly combo. Most of the decks that had success were more like tempo based, and they didn't really identify that. And that's why I think you had Spiral still dominating after the fact. If they look at a Shizu tier, they need to look at like what does this deck do into all of the other decks instead of what does it do into the mirror match? What is this deck doing to make it better than everything else? Um, like field spell pops cards, like cool, like the shuffler's shuffle back cards, like these are all things that are going to do quite a lot against other decks, you know, more so than the mirror match that you're trying to, you know, quell. Like, so maybe like you shouldn't hit Abyss Dweller. Maybe you're just meant to keep Abyss Dweller. Then you're meant to get rid of like Pearl Arena. Then you're meant to do like all these other stuff to sort of like whittle down the power level, give the other decks a chance to elevate themselves. Um, imagine if they just like banned Spiral Tough or like Super Agent or something. Yeah, that's... And, you know, you were, you were able to like floodgate, you know, Spiral <laughs> more than you were, you know, back then. But uh, yeah. Maybe that's something they have to sort of figure out. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I sort of just, that that was a thought that came to mind. We didn't really talk about what, what could happen if they do hit this deck as a tier zero deck. But uh, yeah, uh, that'll probably drag it out for another 30 minutes if we talk about that now. Yeah, I mean, one thing we can't touch on is what Japan has done already. So what Japan mm-hmm. has done is they have limited planet. They have semi-limited Hobness. Weird. I don't really understand that one. Um, and then they limited... Well, they just really like semi-limited cards. Yeah, yeah. But, but why Havness? Like, of all... Like, I, I guess. But, like, but that's I, I don't I, understand. It's the one that lets you play in your opponent's turn one. Yeah. So it's a turn zero card. Sure. So I can, I can understand that. And a lot of people agree with that. They think being able to play in your opponent's turn one, your turn zero, and make mm-hmm. a shit of plays is, like, not fair. So I can understand well, that. But, but these same a... people also say going first is too broken. So, like pick one in like that's what i would say to that i guess is like i think hobness is fine i think a deck should be able to I, like if I, my I, opponent I, I, goes... I, do, I do as well but i think that, yeah I, again the more the less that's a really backwards argument i think but the, i understand no, it's the, not the, you're the, the one the making konami, it the but... konami approach especially because like the sentiment for irrelevant from the beginning do you remember when they were like haha turn zero window Oh, that's, and this yeah, is when we that's only never, had that doesn't happen that, that, yes, ever. It's fictitious, right? It, it is fictitious. It is literally only possible if your Havanus mills a name 
and a Shadol. I, I, I did the math on it a little while ago. It was like based <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on how the decks were built at the time. It was like it was oh god, I don't remember exactly. It was like three percent or something. It was somewhere in the ballpark of three percent. Like it was so absurdly low. Mm-hmm. Like mm. <laughs> like not not to mill those, but like when when you factor in the fact that one your opponent has to draw halfness, and then two mm-hmm. they also have to mill that way. It's like it's like they would literally tier element would window you one out of every 50 games like essentially like that it was just such a ridiculous thing for people to be complaining about but anyways it's a lot more likely with the guys than mill five but that's neither here nor there yeah but but so like the, the, I, I think that was like the other thing uh so you were going down the list i guess we can sort of look at like they hit orange to one right uh, yes, sort of they, hit trying to to limit, one. they limited they trying to limit the ability to play but but like why would you limit the ability to play on yeah. on your opponent's turn? Like that yeah. seems counterintuitive to how you should be playing Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Because like otherwise they're just setting up their board and like your playback is just significantly worse a lot of the time. I, I don't know. It it it's, it's no. Confusing. I agree with you. I agree with you. That that's exactly how I feel. Like like um, that's also like I mean. So hand traps are different because hand traps are equally as valid going first or going second. Mm. I would actually argue a lot of the times hand traps are actually better going first. Like Ash is not great going second, but when you go first and have a whole board and have Ash, you do not you do not lose. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. like that's so like that's like Maxi is the same way. Um anyways. Uh so like, I feel like that's, we talked about like yeah. we thought Super Poly was a better card going first. Oh going yeah. Second. Super Poly was it, when we were same thing. when we were playing Sprite when we were testing against Sprite and we were playing like tier element. Like Super Poly was better going first against Sprite than going second because when you went second, like it didn't even always it just, resolve. It just yeah, okay. and then it just secured your win because they have to play into your cards. You take them yeah. all away. And then Similarly, Nibiru is better going first than going second in a deck that can sustain itself getting Nibiru because like if your opponent doesn't play into it, then they lose to your board. If they do play into it, they lose t- to the Nibiru. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of conundrums with cards like that where you try to make cards to make going second better and then you end up making going first better but hovness is not one of those cards i would argue i would argue hovness is significantly more impactful going second than it is going first it's a dead card actually so mm-hmm. that's yeah i don't think that's correct and it, and i i hope they i hope they do things differently um for us if and when these cards get hit um additionally uh they've already said the ots ultimates for 21 Granted, 20 just came out, so 21 is not coming out for three months, are a Sprite, a Tier Element, and a Kosturok. So I would be hard-pressed to think Tier Element is going to get executed before the next OTS pack. Um, but um, maybe yeah, the power I, level, I have, maybe they just sure want to like bring it down a little bit so something that i was thinking about to kind of bring the deck down might be to limit murley specifically because that significantly limits the ability of the deck to utilize sprint and elf see I saw other people saying that too and my initial reaction was like really murley and then the more I thought about it, I said, oh, maybe maybe that is correct. But it still feels weird for me oh, to say Murley yeah. out of all the cards. Yeah, I, I just think that if you if Murley's at one, um, Sprint is usually not like your first line. It's usually something you do kind of towards the end of your turn. Um, it's Sprint is the desperation play. 
right? I would say <laughs> like, like for the most part of like when you're out of your actual things to do, you go like, uh, uh, okay, can I dark something? Uh, okay, great. And then you sprint, right? And then mm-hmm. when you fuse with the Murley, it has to go back in your deck. And it's like when your one Murley then goes back in your deck, it means you can't really have elf to bring, you know, like you can't really set up elf to bring back Murley or any of those sort of situations. Um, and then it also makes like drawing Murley significantly worse because then it's like not in your deck for sprint. I don't know. It, it It's just like, it's, it, it's a consistency hit sort of because it means you have less names to mill. And then specifically that name is like the most valuable both in your deck and in your graveyard. And you have to pick one location for it to be right. You have to get really, really lucky to like sprint and then Merle goes to the bottom, your deck shuffles, then you mill it again. And then you elf it back. Like that's mm-hmm. not real. Right. Like you have to get super lucky for that to, to happen, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not going, like, maybe I'm not thinking about this the right way, but, like, based on how I kind of view this deck, that's probably, like, if you want to, like, hurt the deck but not kill it, like, if you want the deck to be unplayable, mm. I think you ban Murley on it, you know, like, I think if you ban Murley specifically, this deck gets a lot more manageable because there's no more sprint. Right. See, that's that's funny because I think that if you ban Sheeran, it becomes a lot. It, it, that's that's like actually the one I think. The fact that you get to, it's a special summon and a deck that, that has normal summons only basically mm-hmm. can trigger one of your tiers in hand and is also a level four. Um, I think that that Sheeran is like almost. I mean, Rhino Hearts probably probably Rhino. the best one. Maybe I don't know. Like, if you had zero Rhino Hearts, would this deck be that good? Maybe. Uh, so, so I, I well, also that means that you're effectively banning two cards because it means you can't make Kaleido Heart anymore. Yes. Well, yes, that's true. And because other people said, oh, ban Kit Close, but well, then you can't. Then also then banning you ban Lulu. Lulu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Uh, so I don't think either of those cards will get banned. Um, I think that it'll end up being honestly. I think they might just follow suit with Japan and like limit Havana to one or something like that. I don't think Planet's going to get hit. It's like an $80 card that just yeah. came out or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, if anything, I think, yeah. They, may, they might even go as far to like limit Merle and Havanus since they can't hit any of the high rarity cards, right? So um, what I wouldn't even hate, and I've been thinking about this a lot, I have a tier deck in front of me that I've just been kind of been like flipping through. I wouldn't even hate if they just like... And this would be one of those, like, um, Hearthstone-type, like, slight win rate adjustment-type things. They go, like, we're going to ban Instant Fusion and Terraforming. Yeah, well, I, oh, yeah, but yeah and, 100%. And, and, and it's I like... We all think Instant Fusion should be banned. Yeah, inst- yeah. I think if Instant Fusion gets banned, I think this, like... Obviously, Instant Fusion needs to be banned. <laughs> I think like everybody thinks that at this point. Mm. And then obviously this deck is still the best deck if Instant Fusion is banned, but it's like if tomorrow they just have like a post and just like Instant Fusion's banned. May like it sounds silly, but I think if Instant Fusion is banned, this deck doesn't have 26 spots in top cut. It has like 24. And I know that's ridiculous to say but like okay so i, I don't think I, I'm this wrong. Is something i want to bring up real quick if you go back and watch all of 
the the matches that had uh tournaments in them and feature matches the amount of people that had tournament instant fusion was absolutely insane it oh, was really? crazy like <laughs> it was like first card instant fusion i think i saw I saw it at least like six times yeah um <laughs> so and opening up with that it's just like i feel like it's very 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 <clears throat> very difficult to lose a game where you open instant fusion yeah deck. i i just think if they just do like if they don't want to hit the actual cards, I think banning Instant Fusion and banning Terraforming. Terraforming sounds wild, but I think arguably, if this card isn't going to be at three, they should have banned it a long time ago. Um, I just think the fact that it can get Planet or Mystic Mine <laughs> probably makes it a little bit too good, especially because yeah. we have other effects that have a bigger deck building requirement such as the crystal beast uh rainbow bridge that we saw a bunch so, not a bunch of people, mm. but we didn't see some people top with that's like extra field spells but there's an actual deck building requirement to put it in your deck not just i'm gonna put terraform in my deck right so mm -hmm. i know it i know it sounds crazy but you, you heard it here first i i i think if they just ban some of these power cards the deck's win rate does go down a little bit honestly and maybe so do we think we talked about the, the tier cards themselves but do we yeah. think about the shizu cards like do we think that th those um, cards are, are are eligible um because if know. we go back and, and look at the like very first adjusted list that happened like the week after the the atlanta, the, yeah. the, atlanta mm -hmm. and it had three cards forbidden and three cards limited and those were Plush Fighter Band, Damage Juggler Band, Ptolemaeus Band, Joker Limited, Monkey Board Limited, and Luster Pendant Limited. And how many of those cards were, like, pretty new? A, a good amount of them were pretty um, new, right? Yeah. That would be... Monkey Board. That would be, like... Pensork, right? Well, Pensork wasn't limited. But, well, wait, um, wasn't Pensork on that list, or maybe no, it was something Joker. else? Oh, it was Joker, yeah. not yet. Yeah, monkey not, board, not so monkey sure. board was in the newest set that had come out three weeks prior, but it was a common. Yes, Joker right. came out in the structure, structure, deck, structure deck. Was a while, December. a while ago at least, maybe like a month or two two prior. And yeah, the think, other cards, like months, yeah. the other cards were all from Clash of Rebellion and Dimension of Chaos, so they had all been three to six months. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we've had tier elements now for... We've had tier elements for a while. So uh, I would say... It's yeah. been over three months, four months yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so I think it would be okay to... And Luster Pendulum was like a $40 card at the time before it was mm -hmm. limited. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely think it'd be okay to touch some of these tier cards... Um, but also, like, I just don't think that that does enough. I think the Ashizu cards cause a big enough problem where Tier is still just the best deck. And I think the Ashizu cards are problematic in other decks as well. If even yes. if if tomorrow they say every Tier element is banned, I think we just build a different Ashizu deck. Maybe it's a little I... bit harder to build, and maybe the first event is won by the person who can best exploit the Ashizu cards. Mm -hmm. But is that any different? Like, is that any better than what we have now? Maybe for one event it's fun because we have a mad dash to see who can build the best broken Ishizu deck now mm -hmm. that the one that built itself isn't isn't available anymore. But... I think you just end up going to, like, branded, honestly. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. 
my uh, my issue with the brand deck is like if you do still have like some of the uh Ashizu cards legal whether it be like shufflers or alternative i think there's like a big sort of disparity even just like kelbeck is really really strong against like branded fusion which is very funny yes um yeah. but like as far as hitting the Ashizu cards go i was thinking about that i i do not know what you can do to these cards same with the bishels also just side note that i think eventually the yeah. bishels might be a problem i'm not saying they are now but like arguably because bishels exist light and dark decks will not be good or to make them good you have to make them insane and that is also mm -hmm. problematic that if they want light and dark decks to be good like if they ever put a dark monster ever again it has to just, just ftk your opponent because bishel magnumate exists which is another right, you know, issue but they release an archetype where the card literally says this card cannot be banished from the great yeah i guess but no, you know just, I mean? just like... in general you can't even <laughs> yeah. you can't even allure of darkness in a if way you desires and it's there you get a game loss no you cannot <laughs> yeah. yes yeah you have to pick up your you have to make four separate piles and put the other ones back or whatever that ocg ruling is yeah, yeah. no but um how do you hit the ashizu cards like japan limited one of the millers and one of the shufflers and they're just still played in every deck so yeah like so like in this one we see do? now we see that japan just plays the keldo and Medora as ways to shuffle things back yeah and mm -hmm. interrupt interrupt the opponent so um i i think honestly you just have to limit all of them to one it, it, it's i think that's yeah. what you have to do yeah that's the I only guess. thing that makes sense which and, at that point, why did they exist? <laughs> like, why did you print them? <laughs> right? And, like, and, at that yeah, point? Right. Well, we all asked that question. Why yeah. did they make these cards? Yeah. We've said it a hundred mm -hmm. times. These cards should not have been made. But also, like, the cards aren't overly expensive, which I think is a good thing. The biggest one is mm -hmm. Kelbeck at, like, $9. Um, mm -hmm. uh, everything else is, like, you see Medora, Keldo, $2. Agino, $5. These cards are not overly <laughs> expensive. You're not getting into, like, these planet territories where they're eighty dollars for three copies and, and, and whatnot so however if we also look at our european friends myself included uh kelbeck is short printed in europe some of those cards are just short printed in europe yeah if you, if you look at the price difference the price difference for some of the cards from mama in the european printing is just ridiculous That's like insane. some of them are just 2x yeah yeah it's 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 ridiculous man it's so sick because we, we had a different uh, pack layout. So it was like uh, MSTTV sort of broke it down in one of his videos. He's like, uh, for USA, allegedly, it's just like one new card, one good reprint, one thing, one other thing. Europe is just like, here's the sheet. We cut it up and yeah, because it, that's good, how, good luck. So that's interesting because that's how, um, I don't know if the European one was different, but from, from Ghost from the Past 1 and 2, I've... I cannot believe I have an opportunity to talk about this because I thought I was the only I thought I was the only human alive that noticed this. And I cannot believe I'm gonna have an opportunity to talk about this. So in Ghost from the Past One and Two, how the set worked is despite the fact that every card was ultra rare, um, there were a couple cards in this deck. Like I know this because I opened so much of this set and it like it anyway, it made me really upset. And like all of the good cards, <laughs> like be it the new cards. Or some of the more sought after reprints, like Ghost Pass One, you know, like evenly matched, right? Mm. Um, they would only be the fifth card in the pack. So that was could, the same. In, you, that was the same in Duo as well. You could not pull Dragoonity Remus and evenly matched in the same pack. It wasn't possible mm -hmm. because 
despite the fact that it was a flat rarity set, there was like like a subset almost of like the actual good cards. Yeah. Ghost in the past two and the and and the ghost rare took the fifth card slot. So if you pull the ghost rare, it would be over top of um you know one of one of the good whatever. I didn't open that much Maven, so I didn't really take note of of what the cards were. If I open more, I'll definitely take note and like if the new card is always in the same spot in the pack, then like yeah. But um Yeah for sure I, I, Ghost I, in the Past sure was they, like I'm that. pretty sure they are yeah, because, like, uh, again, like, MSC TV did it in his early uh, release video as well. He, like, mm -hmm. explained it. I think R&D had I, I know him, one like... thing I noticed is that the the Pharaoh's Rare is always in the middle of the pack. Okay, mm -hmm. that's probably that's probably where, to like, the to protect card it, is. Yeah. To protect it, yeah. To protect yeah, it. Yeah, sure. it. <laughs> but on, on the note, like like I said, like, Duov was the same. I remember you, could, you couldn't pull, like, uh, a Verti Anaconda and then, like, you know, one of the other new, like, Link Brain packs in the same pack like it was always in the same spot i don't know if that was for like euro only but i opened a bunch of euro ones during covid and it was just like oh hey i pulled this card guess yeah. i'm not gonna pull any other which card i don't like off. that i think that's like i don't borderline deceptive <laughs> how that mm -hmm. works right but what are you gonna do i guess but yeah i thought mm -hmm. i was going crazy and i cannot believe i i cannot believe naturally there was an opportunity to talk mm -hmm. about that because i did i thought i would I thought I would die with this secret <laughs> or with yeah. just with just nobody else to, to, to you know, anyways. Um, yeah. Some, some Da Vinci code level stuff. Ryan Levine has just uh, figured it all out. <laughs> all right. Anyways. So, but yeah. Um, so to kind of steer back a little bit. Yeah. I, I think like the Shizu cards are just too generic and like, any any small hit will just be a band-aid right and then like yes the counter argument is well <laughs> you know like new cards will come out to make these cards not as good or whatever 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 and it's like that i don't want to just power creep the best cards ever printed by printing more of the best cards ever printed right like, and that we can doesn't... also though look ahead to the next set and see that even with the next set that a version of tier elements with the Kashira cards is just probably the best deck or one of the best decks. Yeah, and you, you just get to splash like these two things. There's also like a new Tierlement Kashira monster. There's a Tierlement Kashira crossover monster, and I just don't. Yeah, man, long gone are the days of Zephra when those cards were just terrible. When like the Zephra Necroz card was like unplayable. Now we just have like every Kashira crossover card is like just insane in both decks. You know, like the tier element Kashira is good in the tier element deck and in the Kashira deck. But and their boss monster is just broken in general. Yeah, that goes too crazy too. Yeah. So <sighs> it's it's very funny that they they tried they tried their best with like the Tri Brigade Albaz Law sort of deal, but it was still like a very unique archetype, right? Like you had maybe like a branded Tri Brigade deck. But it was never like truly sort of melded together. Now it's just like your element scantlord. Now it's just like you Kostira. summon Fenrir and Fenrir searches <laughs> yes. the the Kostira tier element that mills three. It's so like, ridiculous. What? You know, like and then like makes a rank seven. You're just like, why? <laughs> like, why is this happening? Like, all right, I I guess. But anyways, um, so I guess we can start to wrap it up here. We've been at this for a while. Um, but any any like closing thoughts? Like, I think we kind of. I don't. I don't think we ever formed like a definitive opinion on like on like 
at least we didn't express a definitive like coherent opinion on like tier zero necessarily but like one i think i just want to say uh lack of diversity does not automatically mean the format is bad um you know like uh tier zero formats can quite often uh give way to like technical play you know like reigning supreme over deck building when i think most of the time in Yu-Gi-Oh, deck building is what kind of pays the bills so to speak where if your deck is better you can get away with playing a little bit worse um and in a tier zero deck there's less room for your deck building to be better so you have to kind of just be playing better um although sometimes you know maybe in this case there's a lot of random things happening and a lot of milling so while yes you have to think on your feet and somebody who's played significantly more will be able to edge out wins in situations where somebody else uh you know wouldn't be able to because they haven't played as much and they're less knowledgeable and they're less skilled um it can still be frustrating sometimes to kind of see a win slip through your fingers because both players on the top five cards are deck to the graveyard and your opponents were better than yours right so I can see it being frustrating. I also want to say that it's also not a very a very good from a business standpoint because it also means that one from Konami, people are buying less cards because there's only one deck to really be played. Mm-hmm. And two, to watch it it's be streamed where every round or every other round is the same deck is not a very good experience to not only talk about for the commentators, but also to watch. Sure. Um, and I know, for instance, we have been, again, also we have our, our locals we have like 40 person locals every wednesday and friday and today's the first week where the local probably did not fire because no one wanted to show up interesting um hmm. so that's, that's another thing yeah my <laughs> locals is tomorrow i'm probably not going i'm gonna go see black panther instead but i am kind of curious i'll i'll ask how many how many people end up showing up but yeah i mean i agree with that point as well um but I guess basically what I want to say about that is just like, again, as we went back to just like Twitter poisoning us and making us upset, somebody posted like, this isn't the worst format ever. Like, cause we had these formats and then posted like formats where like top cut was a higher percentage of one deck. And you're like, these are the worst formats ever. And it's like, that doesn't automatically dictate. Like, I think one of the worst formats of all time uh, I actually think this might be the worst format I've ever played is uh, the 2018, actually, right after Spiral. So the format after the Tier 0 Spiral deck, there were like 10 different decks and all of them were awful to play against. There was Pendulum FTK, the 60-card Grass deck that if they just drew Grass, yeah. you, you lost. Trickstar. I, I chopped twice yes with that. Yes, <laughs> Trickstar that like draw reincarnation you like invoked Mech Knight. Like it was just the it was just the who's who of terrible oh, true Draco with like with like fifteen floodgates. It was literally the who's who of obnoxious decks that are not fun. And at the time, people were like, "This format is so diverse. What a great format!" It's like. No, I don't want to play against any of these decks. Like, I don't want to do any of this. How many times Mm -hmm. the format has come along that there's a lot of decks, and then we will will all say, all these decks are awful. And then people sort of come out like, how is every deck just so bad? Like, it's crazy that all these decks, yeah, all of them are just awful. It is, yeah, that is true. But, (laughs) so like, yes, I, I for one think that was like, 
for me personally, worst format to ever exist. Like I just, I didn't have fun playing then. It was super frustrating, you know, um, it just, ugh. and there were a lot of decks, but that doesn't, that doesn't automatically mean it's a good format. And I think one of the best formats ever actually also had a lot of decks but it was a reasonable number of decks and all of them were interesting. And one of my favorite formats ever is 2015 after Jin gets banned. There's Necroz, Burning Abyss, Shadal, Clifford, Ritual Beast, and Teller Knight are all viable decks. Some less viable than others. So Teller Knight, probably not actually viable, but, you know, I'd, by that point. But still an interesting enough dynamic that I, you know, like played Necroz for three YCSs and over those three events I played against like nine different decks and it's like you know that's one of my favorite formats so I think there there is merit to both a format with very few decks and merit to formats with a lot of decks if it's balanced correctly and I personally really liked the format we just came off of which was the Darkwing Blast format and I haven't played enough of this format to really form an opinion, but so far I like it less than what we just came from. So, so you mean like pre-Ashizu? Yes. I really yeah. liked the pre-Ashizu post-Darkwing Blast format, and I wish we had another event of that format because I think it would have been interesting. Um, but it's it's gone, so no point in dwelling on it. And again, I like I haven't played this one too much, but from what I've played, I don't... I don't think I like it as much, but we'll see. This format is presumably like there's the remote YCS, there's another South American YCS, there's uh Dortmund in a couple days. Um, you know, we'll see where it de develops and uh we'll see, I guess. And then we have YCS Sydney in January, and we'll see if anything <laughs> needs to be done. All right. Closing closing predictions mm -hmm. for Dortmund. Yeah. If it's top sixty four. Let's each say the number we think Tour Element will take in top 64, based on representation. Uh, do we know how many people are going to be there? I'm pretty sure it should be top 64 based on like registration. They opened up more seats. Um, I think European YCSs now just end up being top 64 instinctually. Because the, the European ones, if you uh, register, and even if you don't submit a deck list or like show up, they put you in the tournament. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they'll fix it, but we're assuming top 64 based on that. So, uh, yeah. I'm thinking, like, at least 40. I was going to say 45. I'm I going think, to yeah, guess. So, I'm just going to go with math. If 81% was the top cut of 32, I'm mm -hmm. going to go with the same amount for this. So I'm going to say 80%. So, I'm going to say 51, 52. Mm-hmm. I mean, that seems reasonable. Yeah. Especially if, like, Europe is being gate-kept by short-printed Ishizu cards. <laughs> just kidding. Just just kidding. Every every Ishizu card in that. But, uh, yeah. I, I think those are, like, pretty reasonable numbers. All right. Sounds um, good. Hopefully, yeah. that after this, then, uh, if it is, like, another 80%, Maybe we'll see a list. Maybe we'll see. Some, maybe we'll see something, and then maybe next time we can talk to you about that and not have yeah. to. If know. if the event is like sixty out of sixty four, Shizu, do you think we get a list the Monday after? 
I, I think I think I I think if it's fifty out of sixty four, we get it. I think really, 80%, I sixty percent, eighty percent is fucking ridiculous. If you look at any other card game, and yeah. like if you look at Magic, and eighty percent of something is doing well, they go after it. They're like, holy crap, what did we do? Yeah, they like yeah, eighty percent um, is pretty crazy. That 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 is that is ridiculous. Um, Especially because they're all like so similar too, right? Like there's yeah. not much difference in them anyway. Because the engine is so many cards, right? Like just all the Shizu cards, all the Trilevant cards are already like almost thirty cards in your deck. So. Yes, it, it's unacceptable to, for eighty yeah. percent of your top cut to, to to be that much. Also, I think that even if um, you also want to look at the amount of it that's actually played in the entire tournament, if you have three thousand players that's or whatever, point. and you have any, I think if if anything over fifty percent of your tournament is a deck, that's probably. I think that you need bad. you need to start looking at that and looking at it being bad. So if again, I don't know how many people they're gonna get, but let's say they get over two thousand. If they have a thousand people playing the tier limit deck or whatever, they need to come yeah. out. with some And sort Europe of actually following. publishes Europe, I believe, always posts the numbers of decks that entered. North America does sometimes, but not always. But I feel like Europe always does. So I feel like by like round five. We'll know how many of each deck entered the tournament. Yeah, probably. And then we'll probably laugh at it to each other <laughs> on Saturday, but we'll see. Um, so thank you guys for for listening. This was a much longer one than usual, actually. But we covered we covered a lot and also not much at the same time. So um, that's how it's always going to be. Yeah, this is also going to be. I feel like we we got really really sidetracked on a lot of the points that we were mm-hmm. making. And then felt the need to circle back to the point that we were making instead of just continuing on the new tangent. And then it just took twice as long. But that's probably fine. You don't have to listen to this all in one go. But for those of you who did listen to this, you know, entirety and are hearing this now, thank you. We do appreciate it. Um, I think next week we're going to be doing, we were talking about the results of Dortmund, uh, presumably. And maybe the results of that will change some of the opinions that we expressed yes we're still in the infancy we'll see Mm -hmm. if something happens yep so thank you for listening and we hope to see you next week